and all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. It's the pregame three NBA finals edition of Entitled Town. We're back after a, a bit of a layoff. Dan is here along with Media Mike. Uh, I'll start with you, Media Mike. After the game one win, the Celtics throw up a just haymaker after haymaker in the fourth quarter of game one uh, to win game one. And then uh, you're feeling really good about how they played and they achieved what they set out to do is take at least one on the road out there in San Francisco. Do you feel different after game two? And I, I apologize a thousand times for texting you that this could be a short series after game one. Yeah. Um, well, I, first off, it's uh, uh, I'm glad that the best of the best are, are back here together. And uh, this is this this podcast has been just stating as long as, as Top Gun Maverick, which we'll discuss later. But uh, <laughs> it's good to be back with you guys. Um, no, I was feeling great up until, um, you know, I got. 15 different texts and, you know, you included. So, you know, good, good for you for taking, for, for the accountability here. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a superstitious weirdo. And um, I, I like, I like when, when conventional, when the conventional wisdom is, is against, against our guys. So um, it really was, uh, yeah, I was like, okay, well, they're losing game two now because everybody's like, yeah, it's over. Going to be, going to be quick. Um yeah, I was feeling good, and I, I, I guess I feel the same the same way that I I did coming into it, which is that take one and out there, and I think they are a better and deeper team. Um, I agree. They sh they should win. Um, Golden State has a home court, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe they won't, but I I think they should. I think they should win, and I thought that coming in. And I think um, I still think that. I guess, yeah. Dan, this is a, the Celtics, the, this edition of the Celtics are a team that uh, won a thrilling game one against Brooklyn in round one in a much ballyhooed series. Uh, they lost game five at home to the Bucks in excruciating fashion, and then won on the road in game six and won at home in game seven in convincing fashion to win that series. And then outlasted an absolute Hagler-Hearns seven-game slugfest against the Pat Riley, Eric, discount Riley and Eric Spolster in the despicable heat. Were you surprised that after the gauntlet the Celtics have gone through this point, that Draymond Green could just totally throw them off their game? I was. I didn't think that the Warriors were as tough a team as, as the Heat. I, I still don't think they're as tough a team as the Heat. I think that the, you and I were making a comparison with the Heat Celtics to uh, Patriots Colts and how the Heat were, were playing that kind of bully ball uh, doing what they could, what they could get away with, and the uh, Celtics were succumbing to it. And but I didn't think we'd see the same thing with the Warriors. Certainly didn't see that in the first game. But I think Green uh, took his cues from that. I think he thought, let's let's push this as far as I absolutely can, and and see what they do with it. And you saw what they did. They, he he got away with, you know, just tackling people throughout the first half throughout the throughout the game yeah it was it, the the moving screen where he played a little he, a vintage sam gash from back in the day was was kind of disgusting i 
it was it was a little bit disheartening to see the Celtics. Um, they were frankly they seemed rattled and caught off guard by Green. Mike on Route One, who is your candidate to go retro? And due to Ram, due to Great Draymond Green's neck, what happened to uh, Kurt Rambis in '84? Because I think they have to answer yeah. physically somehow. Yeah, and I felt like a like an '80s hardo, and you know I kind of uh, tend to kind of go against that and, and and make fun of people that go that way. But I felt that way a couple times last week. First, first off, starting with the um, the Kobe text message, which is just uh, something that I don't I don't understand, and 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 the, the wristband. But uh, besides that, you know, I, I I was fuming in that game because they knew he was going to come out that way with that level of intensity. And they didn't meet, not only did they not meet the the physicality part of it, they kind of got into the back and forth with him. I didn't have much problem with kind of Jalen going at him. I thought Williams got taken out of got taken out of it pretty, pretty well by Green. Um, you know, I liked what when Horford, Horford had a good, clean, hard foul um on the ball and uh, and play the ball and, and put him to the floor and i think as we have to do but you know i, I mentioned um in, in one of our our conversations um you know that they needed to to go to ramus him or more accurately uh mark iavaroni who is of course the the guy that red came out of the stands for because they despicable were using six or, despicable six or yeah. non-great yeah, you, using using Red's own move, which is use your stiff to get their other guy, um, their other guy tossed. So I, I'm I'm all in on Tice um, getting uh, a hard foul on Draymond. I don't think it's going to happen um, because they just they're 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 you know that's not what the game is now. They're just going to go out and play hard, and they don't want to get in, get involved in the that back and forth thing, but just a level of physicality all around. I think would be uh, would be nice to see. I thought. Um, it was predictable and they knew it was coming and they still didn't, didn't do anything about it, it on either front, either from the, from the physical front and from the say physical more, um, or from the, the fact that they knew that there was going to be his extracurriculars, which we're going to try to pull them into. Um, so yeah, very, very frustrating, but I think, I think just, you know, um, as the, this, I think it was, what, what did they say in 86, you know, we're going to be at home shots are going to be falling it's going to be a lot different. I think, I think that's what we'll see. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to play um, to play at home here for the, and I think they're, despite their, some of their struggles at home. And I think that's just kind of noise. And I think they're going to come out and um, I think game three, they're going to look, look more, much more like they did in in, in game one um, for, for large stretches. Going into the series, Mike, one of the Celtics advantages was uh, one of the conventional wisdom advantages that the Celtics has was their length against golden state. And I think you've seen that, in, in a lot of places, when Rob Williams is right, he can close and he really closes off the paint. I don't think Grant, to this point, has been very playable. Hopefully, this is the, the reverse mush on him. Uh, do they take the chance? White's been fantastic. Pritchard is a, is a pest. Do you think they go small a little bit more often uh, in Boston? It, it seemed to it seemed to be um, – they've seemed to have some success with that. I thought Grant was really – not great in um in game two he uh you know they were they were playing the pick and roll with curry um on the ball and and instead of switching it you know uh they were running grant off the weak side a bit at that pick and roll um so al could drop with the with the screener um rather than getting getting al on curry in a switch and he kind of got caught he didn't go um, he got caught and they just swung to his guy who, who swung it to, I think it was, the, that was the Porter three in the corner. 
and it was just like it was it was it was one of those mental things where he just kind of you know kind of wasn't ready for the moment so um yeah i i i think i think you ride him though i i think you gotta ride him um because especially um i don't know what's gonna happen with you know with rob here he looked like you know he didn't look as bad as clay thompson but he, uh physically um but I, I he he looked a little one-legged in that in that last game for yeah. large stretches it didn't help when marcus fell into his knee in the third quarter as well okay, i cut you off dan go ahead i wanted to ask you guys what do you think of the notion i saw somebody suggesting this that just based on how poorly rob was moving maybe you bring him off the bench but instead of grant in for rob uh white start start white and then or does that just weaken that that backcourt rotation too much? I don't know if, it, like I said, I think maybe the, the Pritchard and the White thing is a pest, but I don't think you want to match them false small for small. That's where I would like. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't. I, I don't want to. I kind of like having White for, you know, thirty minutes as opposed to you know thirty six, thirty eight. Um, so I, I think if Williams is going to play, start him um, at this point. And if he's not, I mean, I don't know. I, I you, you kind of think maybe do they try to steal one? But like with him, with him out at home. But you know, I don't know. It's I, I, I am kind of concerned with with four potential cross country flights, right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> with a knee that can can act up. So who know who knows? I mean, it's not like he's flying middle coach, but still, it just the. The physical act of being uh having to do that four times um i don't know where he's at obviously but yeah it, I, that's to me is the biggest worry right now is can he go um because he's been you know even when they've had breakdowns this first couple of games he was just like yeah. if he's if he's on on a guy who is 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 smaller than him and it's in and he has kind of got him in front of him uh good luck <laughs> getting any kind of angle or getting or even getting the shot off and I think we're, we're remiss in saying, you know, Steph Curry, great player. It's hard saying about a guy who's averaging in the 30s for the first two games of the series that they've that anyone's done a good job on him. And despite, you know, some false narratives being spun, Marcus did a nice job on him in game one. Steph, Dan, has a lot of problems with Derek White. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, White's been amazing. What a, what a great find he, he was. I mean, and he was an easy target earlier in the playoffs. So the, the media to have no fucking idea what they're looking at. Put a bullseye on him. I mean, understand right. the sport less. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, he's he's a good offensive player. You know, it's, they they take a couple missed threes and they they spin it from that. Just they don't understand the game. They they do the same thing with Smart. Absolutely, he's a much better career three point shooter uh, percentage wise than he has been this year. But you you've seen why they went out and got White. I mean, the, listen, Brad, Brad did a great job, you know, kind of getting assets in the offseason and moving them for the pieces to kind of fill what they needed in season. Mike, what do you expect uh, going back to the garden on game three on Wednesday night? Um, I, I, I think, I think they'll, they'll, I think they'll win the game. I think they win game three. Um, I don't like those predictions, but I, I think they're going to win this game. They kind of have to come out and, and and take care of the ball better. If they don't, uh, might be time to get concerned. I guess um, I, I just kind of feel like they're going to come out, and it's just you know it, it, it's a little a little easier, and they'll get their legs under under them pretty pretty quick. I think even if they it's a slow start, they'll 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 keep them in it. You know, the, the guard will keep them in it, um, and and I hope I hope the crowd shows up. Um, 
because they were they're quiet um, in spots um, in that game six, I thought um, last series. But, you know, I, I think to you guys point really, I think it, just a smart point is people really overreact to missed shots in the NBA. And I'm not talking the the, the bad Marcus, which we saw a lot of uh, a couple, a little bit more, a lot more than we did in game one, which was, you know, a, a hand up 27 footer. Um, but like guys that just like, that was the thing with Tatum in game one. I thought Tatum played a better game in game one than he did in game two. Despite Agreed. You know, it, it just, he had to shoot some in game one. You're that good of a player. You got to try to shoot through the struggles. That's great. But I just thought he let the game kind of come to him. He wasn't, he wasn't hitting for He was missing big too. And he didn't force it. He didn't take terrible shots. He just didn't make shots. It, he was tight. It's first, first finals game. It's a lot of pressure on him. I, I, totally believe that's a thing um so i thought he i thought he played pretty well a, a, a really good a really good floor game obviously based on the assists yeah as well but just letting the flow playing within the flow of the game and all these idiots wanted the sexy shots Ugh, i just said that sexy um but they wanted they wanted that um they that's what they wanted and here you know he he went out and did it and and, and look what happened i i thought that they uh Mark Dondera wanted him to take over in game one, despite having 12 yeah. assists. Yeah. The, 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 uh, offensively, despite the, you know, the turnovers, let's, let's ignore that for a second, but defensively, I thought they lot, there was a lot of breakdowns even when they were in the game early and they just golden state didn't, um, do a, a, a great job of finishing. There were you know, maybe three or four opportunities in close good defense, you know, by yes. kind of, at the, at the rim uh, in a couple spots by, by um, a couple of times there, but like, it was just, you could kind of feel like, okay, this is not, um, you know, they're, they're going to kind of get, they're going to kind of figure something out here because these are kind of uh, easy shots that they're, they're missing at, at points. So I, but I think they're, I think they're going to win game three. Uh, from your mouth to God's ears, Dan, if, if Rob's hobbled, is it safe to say that Horford becomes maybe the, the second most important player on the team? That's safe to say. Absolutely. Um, you know, something we were just talking about um, that Mike was just talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you think that people confuse a failure of execution with failure of strategy. You know, I was thinking Absolutely. about how at the end of after, after they beat the heat, all I could hear about on, on, on talk radio was the last three minutes when uh, smart missed five shots and and it went from a 13 point lead down to down to two but with the exception of like one hand in his face one with like 11 seconds left yeah they were all like at the tail end of the they, they were all also open shots you, that's what the shots you want people to take so in game one when they had the the ridiculous fourth fourth quarter um i saw a stat saying that out of the I think it was something out of the 41 three pointers they they shot, 38 of them were wide open. Yeah, you I, I want your guys to take those shots. Doesn't matter what they're, you know, maybe not Rob Williams, but anybody right. else on that team. No, agreed. Going back to the game seven of the Miami series, Dan, and let's be honest here, we we rightfully call out the shoe pissers. I am nothing irritates me more than the adjudication of the Celtics as a team than the the game, the fabled game thread from back in the day, the shoe pissing that goes on online is basketball is a game of runs. We all know that, but let's be honest. Uh, what was your shoe piss level when Butler stepped into that three to take the lead with about 15 seconds left? 
You're asking me or you're asking Mike? You go first, Dan. Uh, you know, I didn't have it. I, I I thought this is the the playing of the game. This I, I didn't have ex- expectations that he was going to miss it, but he'd played the entire game. Every so what second was it of left? the game. Seven, yeah. 17 seconds at that time. I think I would have been more concerned had he brought it in just how he was collecting fouls and how well he, you know, I, I could see him making the three-point play better than him hitting the three. Yeah, he's a career 20. Last three years, I believe he's hovering. He's less than 25% shooter. Mike, was taking that three the right basketball play by Butler? Um, I, I don't have a problem. The guy had a great series. I mean, let's assume he has a less than um, normal chance of it going in. You know, so he has a 28% chance of it going in. All right. Well, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't think it was a terrible shot. Um, I wasn't shitting myself in that moment. Um, I, I, I was, you know, keeping up appearances uh, in a lot of ways because I said as soon as you know, when they went up when 15, I was like, all right, that's it. It's over. But, you know, like to you guys point, though, the the, the strat failure strategy uh, strategy versus execution, we see that all the time in football. And, and what we always talk about on the pod a lot is is how that time is is your currency, especially when you have that a lead. And so people don't like people don't like seeing a prevent defense in, in football. And part of the prevent defense is you're going to give up chunks of, of yards, right? Because your opponent is the clock and not the other team. Yeah. And it's similar here. This is like, oh, keep your foot on the gas. I, I understand run the offense. And, but I, I just, I don't, I don't have that gene of, um, you know, you gotta go, go, go run your, run your regular offense, um, get into it, you know, with, with 14 left. And like, I just, I, I don't, I just don't have that. And I don't, I just didn't have any problem with kind of what happened there. Um, they, you know, they got a little tight, but, um, you know, I just, I, I think that was the right play and the, the heat made every, every shot there to get back in it. So I, I didn't have any much of a problem with that. Let me flip yeah. the script on you. If it's, the, if it's reversed and Boston is making a furious run down two, and Marcus smart steps into that three, you feel the same way? Well, I don't, I, no, I, I would, I, I wouldn't like that. I, I think there's just a different, it's, it's a different level of um, a player. I think, um, you know, smart has made big shots. Um, in those spots for sure. I just, I don't, I, I think, I think dying, living and die to me, I'm, I'm a guy who, who kind of thinks that Tim won in the eighth Williamson in the ninth is whatever. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the biggest problem in the world going with the best pitcher of all time, uh, despite his kind of being, you know, his shoulder being not what it used to be. Uh, so I, I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't, I don't know. I, I didn't think that was, all that bad of a shot given who, who the guy is. And he had a pretty great series and he died. They lost with him. So. Yeah. And credit to the heat, you know, Pat Riley's despicable. I've said it time and again, the Armani asshole is one of the greatest sports executives of all time, but the Celtics overcame him. God bless. Uh, Dan, do you think they win the series? Oh, I still do. Absolutely. Mike. Yeah. I still think they're the better team. They are better. They're better. They're deeper. And, and I don't know if, it, you know, the Draymond stuff notwithstanding last game, I think there are a, and this is what we talk about a lot, again, going back to football here, um, it, we talk about toughness and, and confusing kind of that 
physical Baltimore Ravens toughness historically with the type of toughness that we we're kind of used to with with the football team with the Patriots which is that mental toughness um and I think I think they're a mentally tougher team than um the Golden State is despite all the experience I just I don't think I think green at this point is a, a liability offensively you know at their peak he was he was a, a much better offensive player Thompson obviously is not there Steph still good but playing against a team that gives him has historically been done pretty well against him and in addition to that now having a guy like um you know like white who bothers him i think mm-hmm. kind of at both ends a little bit um just he's pretty physical offensively um and curry's i think he's a really good defender too and but he just you know they've sealed him on that backside a few times um so i i, I think it's a a the le- the probably the worst possible matchup for curry and not that there are you know he's averaging you know like you said in the 30s so but i i think um yeah i think they should win it yeah, I think the row of chairs is, is back in season, baby. It's, I, I would like to think Celtics in six. Um, I think that's doable. Uh, they, this team is not phased by going on the road to play a basketball game. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really it's, insane. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's incredible. Because that six so, men in Milwaukee was, it was absolutely off the hook. They're, they're so young and so, like, haven't been here before. And they're, they're so maddening in their, the way they value the ball at times. Uh, and they're probably a good, you know, seventh man away from being a title team and they're going to win the title. Um, it's, it's pretty ridiculous to have these guys who aren't yet even in, in, in having, you know, Jalen who like, you know, we've seen bad handles Jalen throughout his career. Yes. And it's been pretty consistent for, for two months now where his it's just been kind of all over the place. So it's, it's pretty impressive that they, they have a really good chance at doing this. Dan, go ahead. Actually, I had a couple of questions for you. One is, is do you think pool is an asset or liability in overall in this series? I know he kind of came, came on in game two, but. I think it's a coin flip. I mean, you, you saw both spectrums of what he could be game one. He was absolutely a liability. And in game two, you know, you see the ball go in the basket a couple of times. I think it's it's not dissimilar to White. White's a different player when the ball goes in the basket the first couple of times he puts it in. He becomes much more aggressive. Uh, I think he's a lot. He's more consistent than Poole is, but Poole's offensive ceiling is obviously a lot higher, while White's is much higher in the defensive end. So uh, your thoughts on that, Mike? Um, yeah, I, it, it could go either way. You know who he reminds you of, and not in any aesthetic way or um physical way it, it he kind of has a, it gives me a, a mario chalmers vibe in so much as um you know he's playing on a good team with good players and um he, he can make plays and you know but you wouldn't be surprised if he's uh you know does something totally totally boneheaded um so i i think dion waiters <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if he's that he's that up and down yeah maybe he is but um no i think he's i think he's he's, he's pretty good but he's not somebody where i'm like oh my god like i let's let's account, get a get to account for pool i think you just kind of he he's out there and he's he's a guy who can make shots um i'll be curious to see what he does um in the garden because if he comes out comes out and lays an egg i guess it wouldn't be the biggest um the biggest surprise 
he comes off to me as the kind of player that can be taken out of the game by the opposing crowd in the way that Ralph Sampson was in game six of the 86. A little bit different circumstances after what Sampson did to Jerry Seesting the game before. Uh, Dan, do you have another question? for the? Yeah, my other question was about the officiating. I, mean, I know that we don't like to ever think, oh, well, if, if, if it came down to the offici- officiating, well, you didn't play well enough to start that it came down to this little thing. But I mean, we, we've always been like that with football. We always think if it comes down to one call or another, well, you obviously didn't play well enough to let it get to that point. But I also think in, in, in such a disparity as what we saw in that second quarter, where one team can tackle somebody and the other guy gets called, like Jalen Brown getting called for not even touching anybody, uh, doesn't, regardless of the fact that they won by 21, 22, doesn't that uh, influence a game and how, how you play it? Well, the NBA state-run media has done a great job of kind of whitewashing the checkered history, uh, despite Scott Foster's been able labeled the extender, not co-conspirator at this point. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit less active to, a little less prone to blame the officiating some points. I mean, obviously the green moving screen where he cleared the goal line for Curry was bad. I just think, I, I choose to believe that the officiating it's a really hard sport to officiate. Um, I choose to believe that it's incompetence and they've, they, they, they're human beings and they can tend to be swayed by uh, the environment around them. Mike, your thought. Yeah. I, um, I, I thought that the, I did think that that game, I just, it was, it was the most, I think, egregious example uh, in these playoffs so far for me of um of kind of inconsistent officiating. Um, I, I'm happy to blame officiating if I think it directly impacts the outcome. And, um, you know, the, the idea that, you know, the Miami series, that, that this play, that the three-pointer that was um, taken away, that, you know, when was that? It was the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, early in the Struces, yeah. Like, three-pointer, yeah. That, that stuff like that, like there's so many possessions that to me it's not like, it's not like football. Um, so it's, I thought that was pretty bad um, the other night and just mostly because, um, you know, the rescinding the technical was like that, that was that was like, come on, like if that was in Boston, I don't think they rescinded that. Te- they would rescind that technical. I thought that was pretty bad. And um, it, he was trying to protect himself. Uh, but, you know, even still, I, I've watched like the, the Draymond screen. I've watched it a lot and I still I, I, I think it's a moving screen. I just want <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the Joe Tooney getting to the second level one. Um, I, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure that the defensive players are moving backwards. He's moving into them there. The contacts with his hands. Like it was just, I think, I think the, the screen, the screen game to me is the hardest thing. I think the worst thing that the NBA officials are, um, I think they're great on travels and, um, and it's my, you know, my Twitter, gather uh, step bugaboo. Yes. My Twitter, my Twitter bugaboo is the, is the, is the people thinking travels are non-travels or travels. So, and I just say, I, I but the, the screen thing is, is just so inconsistent. It, it's an impossible, I think it's an impossible thing to, um, to, to evaluate in, in real time. It's just, it's so hard. And, and I, I think the officials are incompetent, but they're doing this constantly and they have a hard time doing it so i just i i don't think it's it's like the same thing with field goal kickers 
Um, people think that they should just be able to go out there and, and, and you know, kick 90% just because they, pra- they practice all the time. And they're not that this is there's a ceiling of how good you can be at this. And I think that's the same way it is with officials and how the human brain can kind of take in this information and how fast and big these guys are. It's just it's 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 really hard. So I tend to go with incompetence anytime over, you know, uh, calculated malfeasance. You don't think neither of you guys think there's a thumb on the scale ever. I mean, consciously or subconsciously. So I, I tend not to believe anything Donahue says, but the fact is there were those phone calls were made. That sounds, which is crazy. So I, I'm, I tend to believe that there is something that happened there. Um, but like what I, I, I don't know. So I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that the league is saying we need to extend the series. I just, I, I, just, I, don't, I just don't think they're doing that. Like, yeah, it would be great if something goes seven instead of six, that would be great. Yeah. Ratings would be great. But really, I just I don't see it. I just I can't imagine. Believe me, for my own sanity, I don't want to turn into like a Steelers fan or a Bills fan who thinks, you know. <laughs> I mean, Unre- unrelated, right? I, or I guess possibly related. ESPN is an NFL is obviously, excuse me, a partner with the NBA. And obviously the NFL sanctioned everything that happened with Deflategate and Wickersham and Van Natta. We're Wickersham and Van Natta on the Foster Donahue stuff and the uh, NBA conspirators. Crickets, state-run media. It's, it's follow the money, guys. Follow the money. All right. Um, Who was that, Jack Hines? Jack Hines? Oh. <laughs> Must have been Jack Hines. Um, last thing on, on this series that I have, and I'll throw it to you for your final thoughts on the, the Celtics-Warriors matchup. I think we're going to – I've had great respect for this Warriors run. I've enjoyed it. It's a different brand of basketball. They've changed the game. I have a, a, a sneaking feeling that I'm going to feel a lot different about the Warriors uh, this time next week when we record after game five uh, than I do right now. Um, beating – listen, they've, the Celtics have run the gauntlet. The Boston media has given them no very little credit though thus far on – uh, beating the super team in Brooklyn, beating the defending champs. There were all these caveats. Chris Middleton was hurt. And then beating the, the one seed Heat, winning game seven on the road. I, I, I like to think that the final feather in this team's cap, and I've told both of you this, that I thought that this could be, it's such a lazy, it's such a lazy narrative for me to, for me to say. But I really honestly feel like this could be a kind of a passing of the torch thing. Beating the champions is going to be hard. This is a decorated champion. And you think these teams tend to be proud these quote unquote dynasties. I think back to the Patriots being just outgunned in that divisional game in San Diego in January of 2007. And why did they win that game? They were tougher and they were champions. If the sellers are going to win their series, they're going to have to earn it. Yeah, they're, they, they got, you got to slay the dragon. And, and I guess, you know, the, there is no kind of uh, you know, Eastern kind of gauntlets, the, the, you know, the, the Jordan, the, the Pistons going through the Celtics, um, the Bulls going through the, through the Pistons, um, the, the, the LeBron finally getting over the hump against the Celtics. You know, I, I guess it's kind of the Bucks, but you know, whatever. I just, I, I really don't think that any of those teams were ever really um, ready to get over the hump. So, uh, yeah, but I, I, I always kind of I rooted for the Warriors in all of their finals because um, I, I didn't like their opponent. Um, and, and I appreciated the way that the Warriors played. And like, to your point, uh, Mike, is they, they, they did change the game in, in a way that I find aesthetically pleasing. Um, I know people hate the threes. Um, game one was beautiful yeah. basketball. Yeah, that, that, oh, that, yeah, we didn't talk about that. That, that was as high a level played. 
yes. of a basketball game as I have ever seen. And I, I don't think I'm being a prisoner of the moment in saying the how just it was unbelievable. That was it was so good to watch. And I'm not a big um, aesthetics guy. I like people complain. Oh, this is ugly. This is ugly. I, I, I don't fucking care. I just want, uh, you know, competition. Um, the juice is, is what I like. So I, I don't care about aesthetics, but that was unbelievable. That the level was, you know, it was like the 86, it was 86 game six, but both teams were kind of playing on that, on that level. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, I will hate I will hate the Warriors by the end of the series for sure. It's getting there already. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've seen both parts of it. We had the beautiful basketball in game one and the fourth quarter explosion. Game two is as, as chippy, as competitive as you can have, Dan, as the rules allow now. Oh, and it, and it got slowed down so much by the calls. I mean, the all the flow that you had in that very that first game was just destroyed in the second one. I, I was going to say. If the Celtics can pull this off, I think what would be unique about it is they did it without the, being this super team. There's only some, you're, you know, whether it's LeBron pulling in guys to whatever locale he goes to, or whether it's the Nets uh, hasn't done anything with it, but there's always right. the players building their own teams outside of whatever the organizations are trying to do. So you're always worried, like, I don't know how much of a window your team's going to have to make it if, if, some players all decide that they're going to congregate in San Antonio or, or wherever. Right. So. That's, a, that's a really good point. It's yeah. They, I mean, I want to, there'll be a Danny Ainge appreciation podcast. Should they win the title? The moves that he's made, uh, you can nitpick all you want, taking Kelly Olenek over Giannis uh, back about seven, eight years ago, but uh, making the trade to get the picks, having the stones to take Brown and Tatum drafting Rob Williams, Marcus Smart, the, it goes on and on. So we'll do the Danny Ainge appreciation thing um, before too long. Do we do we want to discuss the, the the Patriots OTAs and just Greg Bedard seeing the exact opposite of everyone else saw with Mac Jones today? Is it or is that just beating the dead horse? Uh, I I don't put a lot of stock in the <laughs> in something that early. Day one of uh, yeah, day one in we're in June for Christ's sake. You know what? Let's uh, it just confirms it confirms my uh my pre-existing uh opinions, so I'm all in. Um <laughs> and I also and I'm also jaded enough to think that the, the media if the media is seeing this and admitting that they're seeing it, then it must be really fucking good. And oh. so I'm I'm all in. Yeah, shout out to Warren Sharp not thinking that Mac Jones could possibly make a leap in year two. All right, spoiler alert ahead. Uh, we're going to discuss the smash hit movie of the summer. Uh, so if you haven't seen it yet, uh, hit the turn off the podcast. That's right, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I saw it at the theater uh, two weekends ago. Uh, what a fantastic, what a fucking fantastic experience there were, it was hard to believe on a saturday night in seattle there were only about 15 people in the theater but holy shit what an experience it was it was the perfect amount of schlock callbacks action um crews doing a hell of a good job as, as, as playing the the elder maverick it was incredible and, and mike has a tight 20 on that but dan you, you haven't seen it yet but uh, you watched it with the you, you're, you watched the original with the younger kids, and I watched the original before going to see Maverick. Uh, 
And it was, uh, uh, it was, I was so glad I did. I was so glad I did. What was your experience like watching it with the, uh, the young generation? The well, yeah. So, so I hadn't seen Maverick yet and I don't care about the spoilers. That's fine. I, I know that I'll eventually see it. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it with my daughters made, made them watch, watch it with me this weekend. And I need to disclose up front that I, I hated it. I hated it 36 years ago <laughs> and, and I, and I still hate it. I, and I've got my you girls no back. Soul, man. You have no soul. I know, but it's, it was just, there's on so many different levels, just a very non-likable lead character. I never bought the romance. There was so much willing suspension of disbelief, willing, yeah, willing suspension of disbelief that they ask of you. Like they, they ask you to believe that, okay, these guys just, just graduated Top Gun and, oh, you know, we've got this situation uh, half a world away. Oh, that dude, we don't have guys there. We're going to come pull, on, pull the top, the including including the guy that just about washed out. We need all these guys to to run point <laughs> on this. Um, what else is? I mean, is the service hurting that much for pilots who are actually already in the area at the time of the incident? Um, they have they lose the. I don't know, just things like the the top guy who was going to go to Top Gun. Oh, just he 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 suddenly starts thinking of his kids. And so he's he's washed out. And and then Iceman, who wasn't really all that Iceman. No, no, no. I need more, I need 10 more seconds, just 10 more seconds before I can take the shot. It's like every everything that they tried to establish as this is who this character is. They took away like 10 minutes later. Um, so, so, but what so was fun was that, like my my watching with my kids. You were talking about that. So my yeah. oldest kept complaining about the number of times it did reprises of uh, Danger Zone and take my breath away. <laughs> so and, they didn't buy the and, sexual chemistry with Kelly McGillis and with the light of more recent information, huh? They saw more sexual chemistry with 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 Iceman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 finally, uh, growing up in a musical family. The, the, I probably had my back up to the film just because they made tone deaf crews sing twice. And, and it's almost like, I couldn't take it. Did your but, girls laugh during the beach volleyball scene? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, that was actually, it made for a very fun experience. It was probably like mystery science theater three or, or riff tracks watching it with the girls. There was, a I'll, sense- I'll go in with an open mind to the new, to the new one. I, I, I bet what you're saying is absolutely right. I bet I'll enjoy it much more than the original. I was very, very happy to see it's first spoiler alert. I was very, very happy to see Mike on route one that they did not totally reenact the beach volleyball scene. I thought the beach football game was, was the perfect touch in a movie full of perfect touches. Yeah. I think um, the depth of, of the character Maverick was so great and layered. Um, it's the same reason I prefer uh, Stallone in Creed to the Rocky of the Rocky era. Be one of my uh, questions to you. Yeah. That was going to be one of my yeah, questions. The wisdom, the age, the eyes, the things he's seen. Uh, give me, but you know, give me 1991 broken Larry Bird still getting it done, getting it done with the, you know, the Eddie Harris off-speed stuff over peak Larry Bird. You know, obviously the 84 Larry Bird is, is a better player, but um, you know, I, I have a deeper appreciation for that, for the aging um, the aging greatness. And so some of it was very meta, but it worked like, um, you know, the, I don't like that look, Mav, and it's the only one I got. Um, you know, that, that's basically say he's saying that to Cruz, not Pete Mitchell. Um, and in that, in his response to uh, to Harris, to Ed Harris, um, when he tells him his time is over, and you know, maybe so, but but not today. And that really kind of worked as as a commentary on the theatrical experience and how 
Cruz views himself as a savior, savior of that experience. I'm actually going to be um, operating Thetan level eight. I'm going to go clearer if I, if I can uh, get, get through this here. Uh, but those aren't really textual kind of appreciations. And I thought that nearly every scene worked in this. There was zero fat. In the original, the stakes are in Shaq. You can take the shears to dance segment there. We, that, we don't need that kind of communist propaganda. <laughs> All the negativity on this pod sucks. Communist propaganda. Um, in the you got to turn a chair every once in a while. Come on. <laughs> Mike, I'm, I'm shocked that, the, that the, the, the people in Seattle don't like movies that build up America, really. But, um, you know, Stakes, I had to go through an Antifa rally to get to the theater. So yes, yeah. yes. The the stakes are nebulous in the first one. If he doesn't win Top Gun, like who cares? Um, you know, okay, maybe he won't evolve and step out of his father's shadow. Um, it, we care about that, but you know, really, so what? In this, the stakes are just immediately clear, and the way they continually hammered home how impossible it was going to be. And not only did they tell you that, they they showed it to you. And so having that kind of computerized visual aid of what the mission would be by the time you get there. Uh, it was like a modern day training. version. It was like a modern day version of Activision's River Raid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when we finally get there, we know what the mission is and it's, there's no confusion. Like my mom understood it, you know, it's like, it was pretty clear. So, um, you know, Tony Scott is probably one of my five favorite directors of all time. The first one is just great. And I think it works today. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's cheesy at all. The one thing I always thought was cheesy is when he pumps his fist, um, when he gets to, um, to, to Miramar at the beginning when the jet's taking off. But in this one now, when he gets to Miramar, uh, it's not Miramar, he, to North Island, um, he has this huge smile on his face. He doesn't do the fist pump when he sees the jet taking off. But I was like, oh my God, I, I, that makes so much more sense now to who he is and credit to my wife for kind of pointing that out. He is like, he just, this is all he loves. This is all he knows is, is, it is flying these things. And I just, I was like, it just had a totally new point of view on it. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same. Um, you can't say, you know, suck my dick and stuff like that nowadays, but. Only I, on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not in a, in a four quadrant PG 13 studio release, but the fact that there's no larger societal message for this movie was I think why obviously why it's playing so big um, with with insane word of mouth. Uh, it was pure fun, like kind of this love letter to aviation Total and the theatrical the theatrical experience. And, and I'm not against messages in movies. In fact, I, I prefer them, but this doesn't require that. And I just I, I loved everything about it. Like the score, you know, the original Top Gun score, the the Faltermeyer score is, is awesome. But Zimmer's score in this was so great. Um, I didn't appreciate, I've seen it three times now. I'm going to probably go for four because I think my father-in-law wants to go. So um, I didn't appreciate how good the score was the first time. Um, I was paying attention to other stuff. And the sequence where, where he puts on the whites and goes to the bar and tells Penny that he's leaving and they don't use any kind of dialogue. And they just show them that shot from them behind on the beach and they swing around to them backlit by the bar. Uh, gorgeous and then they, it cuts right to the carrier it was beautiful. Uh, it, unbelievable so yeah I, I just thought there were so many good emotional beats um, you know everybody a lot of people were complaining about talking to me goose and how many times he did that but it, it was building up to that payoff of talk to me dad and I just I thought it's, it's just an easy an easy hack so I loved everything about it and uh, I'm you know one of the better theatrical experiences I've had certainly this this century so uh, I've got two. I got. I've got two questions for you, but I'm going to set it up by giving a little background for those unfortunate souls, Dan, who haven't seen the movie yet. The basic premise of the movie is that Cruz goes back to Top Gun as an instructor for a mission to a to a nondescript country 
to blow up a uh, was it a uranium mine? Yeah, depleted, uranium yeah depleted. They're making depleted uranium. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they have to navigate a, a River Raid light series of turns and B-17 bomber and television stuff to get to it. And it's it's clearly it's a it's a death sentence. And one of the pilots that happens to be on this training mission is Goose's son, who Maverick took over as the father figure when Goose died. His son's name is Rooster, or his call sign is Rooster. Mike, were you taken with the fact that they went over the top to do him Anthony, like stud Anthony Edwards style? Were you taken aback by it at first? I thought it worked, but in the first, I was like, oh, this could go badly. Um, yeah, it could have gone badly when he went into the bar, but then you kind of see the, that that is a, when we first meet him at the the um, the hard deck, which is a great name for a bar. Um, and uh, it could have gone, but then you kind of see who he is. And I, you know, the, the fact that he is this kind of rooster just sitting on a fence and that kind of is his, his character uh, just waiting. And he, he doesn't have that kind of necessary aggressive streak, which is an interesting message in a, in a movie. Usually it's kind of like the overly aggressive person needs to learn to tap it back. And he was kind of the opposite of, of mm-hmm. Mav in, mm-hmm. in the original um, in that he needed to learn to, to not be so cautious and, and fly with, um, you know, without thinking. Um, which again is an interesting message, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought it, I thought it works for sure. I was relieved that they didn't reenact the righteous brothers scene at the bar, but also happy that they had a uh, rooster go to the piano and play great balls of fire. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. And, and, and can we, can we say about Jennifer Connelly too? If we, that was my next question. Yeah. I, she, she not, it could have been a, you know, Don Knotts replacing Norman fell kind of thing. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, a strong why also, mud on. Um, uh, and I, I've never been a huge fan of her, but I thought she was fabulous. Um, she, she, uh, but yeah, I thought it was really good. And I thought that the relationship was, um, it was weirdly PG 13, but I thought it was kind of sweet um, the way they really did it. Really well written. Well written. For old people. Active. It was like old people, like, you know, old people, you know, the 60, but, you know, older people finding um, this, this relationship. I thought it was good. Uh, well, speaking of older people if you go back on the first one what i think penny benjamin would have been even if she had had this uh relationship with Cruz, uh you know a year before the original she would have been 14 so this is kind of like <laughs> like lucas's lucas's pitch to spielberg about um you know about raiders and, and having the relationship with indy when she was you know, a young girl uh, i was like okay well, well we'll assume in this universe she was she's she's older than she is in real life but um, no i thought it, i thought it worked it worked pretty darn well. And I thought that, you know, I thought that part where he goes to the bar and tells her he's going, but we don't hear the words. I thought that was the most uh, moving part of the movie. Um, other than him buzzing the, the bridge on the carrier at the end. I, I like those. Those are the two, the, the two emotional beats that I responded to, I think. Yeah, buzzing the bridge was a, yeah. a movie full of fist pump moments. That was the, the final fist pump, uh, fist pump moment of that movie. Um, what did you, so obviously you loved the movie. If you're at 100, on the on a scale of one to one hundred, and loving the movie, where was your wife at? Uh, so she's not she's uh, which is weird because she's more of an eighties loser than I am. Um, and she <laughs> that's not was a pejorative, not, by the way. That's not a no, pejorative. no. She she's not um, the she was not she liked the original, um, but she she never watched it like religiously. We've probably well, I mean, we've probably watched it like. 
eight times together <laughs> in however many years. But um, so, but she's never like, oh, like, great, let's watch Top Gun. But she loved, 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 um, loved it. Like, just couldn't, couldn't believe. Like, and she, we were trying to think of the last thing she liked this much and couldn't come up with anything. You know, she really liked Creed. Um, but like, I, we couldn't just come up with anything where, where it, it really, um, you know, worked that well. And um, yeah, they, it just, she, she, she thought it was great. Yeah. I took the ironette to go see it and she was uh, about an 85 on a one to hundred, but I was probably 170. I was, I was a, it goes <laughs> right. to 11 on this one. Yeah. It definitely, yeah. it goes to 11. Um, the ending, um, the ending is implausible. It's over the top. It is unexpected in some ways, but did the, did the, uh, did the final, did the final battle do it for you? But the F-14, the F-14, my God. I was I was all in as soon as they started. They found each other on the ground and it turned into like slap to doing a bit like uh, I, hilarious. I, I was I was all in. I was all in stealing the F-14. I was a total mark. Uh, the, um, the the communicating with the um, with the the fifth generation fighters from the nondescript uh, country was hilarious. You know, it reminded me of Han Solo. I don't know, just fly casual, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just hanging out, you know? It was, I, I, yeah. I, I was, I, I thought everything was, it was just really funny. Um, poor, and poor Dan's I, over here doing his Hartman and Snatcher going, can't understand a wolf. <laughs> no, Oops. no, it's not that. I, I, I feel like I shot your dogs. For the first <laughs> All right. So Dan, so let me ask you after hearing us gush about Maverick, are you a bit more excited to see it? I was, I was going to go see it anyway. I, I, I could tell just from reading um, just how popular it is that it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting much better than what I thought of the first one the big part of the first one for me was just how unlikable I found Cruz. So I think so. I think the, the worm will turn on this one for you, Mike, five out of five stars. Uh, yeah. A top 10, top 10 theater uh, experience for me of all time. It has to be, it's, it's a cliche no to question. say it has to no be question. seen in the theater, but it has to be. Seen yeah. In the yeah. Theater. You really, you really do. Yeah. Uh, Academy Absolutely. award, Academy award buzz. It, I think it, it'll be nominated. And if the Academy is smart, they will, they will give it to it. I, I, I wish Cruz would get nominated for it, but um, but I don't think he will. But I, I think it should be nominated for Best Picture. Um, Agreed. I don't. Yeah, it really should be. I mean, what are we doing? This is this is why you go to the movies, you know. Absolutely. Uh, do you, uh, Dan? Do you have a final thought for us today? So, Top Gun, two thumbs up uh, from the mics on the pod. Uh, now we throw it to Killjoy Dan uh, for his <laughs> no, final I, thought. Uh, no, for just for that. On on who directed this one? Kaczynski. He's a guy who did Tron. He did Tron. Um, that legacy. The yeah, Tron legacy. legacy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Oblivion with with Cruz as well. Um, All right. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, I, I, yeah. He 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 was. Yeah, he's doing. Uh, what is he doing now? Something today. They said he's doing. Um, Oh, uh, F1 movie with Brad Pitt um, is his next thing. So. Oh yeah, the F1 is definitely yeah. a thing. Now I haven't gotten yeah. into that yet. No. Uh, let's go to final thoughts. Final thoughts sponsored by Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Dan, uh, what's your final thought? I'm going off in a different direction and bringing it back to football. I I, I saw a news item that uh, Walmart heir Rob Walton had the winning bid to buy the Broncos. Um, wait, quick joke. What do you call it when Walmart heirs procreate? What, what is it? Walton's Mountain. 
It's, a very, specific, it's a very specific, very specific joke that I appreciate. I'll, I'll, I'll be I opening it, for Thornton at a chuckle hut near you. Um, I was, I was going to play this before, uh, before we started the answer. <laughs> All right, go ahead, please continue your final thought, Dan. Anyway, Walton's bid of uh, $4.5 billion is a record for the most expensive sale of a sports franchise. And this got me thinking two things. One about Robert Kraft, whose own franchise is now estimated to be worth $5 billion. And two, why would you ever sell an NFL franchise? It is the surest of sure things. It's the easiest way for the mega rich to become uber rich. Uh, You have membership at the most exclusive of clubs, and yet somehow Kraft still feels left out. So anyways, back to Kraft. Back when he bought the Patriots in uh, 1994 for $172 million, uh, which was a record back in the day. Grossly overpaid. Yeah, people thought he was nuts. And this was a pattern for him. He massively outbid Victor Kayyem for the stadium and and the binding lease, and they thought he was nuts. Uh, He agreed to give up a first-round pick for, uh, quote, failed Browns coach Bill Belichick, and they thought he was nuts. Um, Yeah. From the Aeneid, Odentes uh, Fortuna Uat. Fortune <laughs> favors the bold. Kraft took some very, some say very foolhardy swings to be, become Patriots owner. And then again, after becoming owner, and he was handsomely rewarded for it all the way through. We've taken our shots at Kraft, just all justified for him being too needy, mm-hmm. too desirous of external uh, validation from every living soul around him, too yappy. It's, it's how he got his first ring pilfered by Vladimir Putin. It's how he keeps getting suckered into caving into the league malfeasance in order to uh, end the rhetoric so he can sit at the cool kids table where they mock him behind his back. It's, it's a sad irony for a man whose legacy shouldn't require the constant reminder. Whatever his flaws, we can't forget. If it weren't for his big foolish swings, we'd have been seeing Bill Parcells coaching Drew Bledsoe for the St. Louis Stallions and New England hunting for a franchise. Don't fool yourself thinking otherwise. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, Ted Sarandis, uh, Ted Nation round of applause for Bob Kraft uh, retroactively. Thanks, thanks, Bob, now shut the hell up. Mike, <laughs> I put, Mike, I gotta put a gun to your head. Who do you want to win the Rangers Lightning Series? Uh, well, yeah, it, so I was rooting for the Rangers. I've been rooting for the Rangers for two straight series now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Showering uh, off and I, I hope. Part of me, part of me, as as someone who like loves watching um, the the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, and part of me wants the Lightning to win just to see Blaho, Wobi, Mike <laughs> melt down. So I, I'm I, I actually switched during the game, um, the, during Game Three, and and went from rooting for the Rangers to rooting for the Lightning now because there is a. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't. I don't like New Yorkers being happy, and um, and I'm just, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to see that. So Evergreen and, and there will be. I'd be fine with with the Lightning winning again. Um, and you know, it does. You know, they've they've already passed the the Bruins. The last output, the last uh, fifty, whatever. Yeah, fifty, seventy. Yeah, yeah, fifty years. So um, they would. They, I guess they would win their third in the last fifty-two years. So uh, oh, the Bruins have won three in the last fifty-two years. So um, <laughs> they, they would pass that, right? Those would be their fourth, right? Okay, yeah. So already, um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm all in on my bolts. Your bolts. Yes. yes. Your bolts. 
Yeah. Is is Tom is Tom going to show up with his with his uh, uh, with his lightning hat? God, that would pay two dollars and ten cents. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, Do you have a final thought, or was that it? Um, I've got fifteen more minutes on Top Gun, but I'll I'll spare the spare the uh, our, our our listeners. We'll save it for uh, next week's podcast. Uh, my quick, brief final thought is um, there's a chance we're planning on recording again a, a week. Uh, we're recording Tuesday night. We're planning uh, initially on recording a week from Tuesday. And there's a chance the Boston Celtics could win the championship uh, before we record again. Enjoy the ride. Don't let the assholes bring you down. They're, they're doing their damn best to ruin the Patriots season before it starts. The Celtics are worthy of your invest- emotional investment. They're a fantastic basketball team. And you referenced this a bit earlier, Mike. Garden crowds are typically unbelievable. They're fantastic. You need to bring it against this, this great, great, great uh, Golden State Warriors team. Beating a champion ain't going to be easy. Uh, Scarcy, John, and Chico, uh, we'll figure out what the, the starting rotation will be for next week's show. Uh, Dan is at Patriots Daily. Mike on Route 1 is at In This Town 1. My name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are the Green Teamers. We're also uh, we're, we're also fans of Top Gun. Um, sorry, Dan. And as always, turn off your radios. So welcome to Boston, a city in waiting, as the Lakers and Celtics come to the Garden to decide the NBA World Championship. <laughs>